So in today's gospel, we have the the scene already set now for the triduum to begin tomorrow. So the the, the last supper, the washing of the feet, uh, Judas leading, leaving uh, to inform the authorities where Jesus was, the passion, and the resurrection. It all it's it's, it's all set now. The the Readings and Gospels over the last couple of days have showed us how the various authorities, scribes and Pharisees, want to kill Jesus, want to kill Lazarus even, uh, because he's providing evidence that what Jesus uh, is, is saying is true. So there's, it, it's all set. All the pieces now are, are in place uh, for this uh, dramatic event, or these dramatic events of the Easter Triduum. And it's, 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 it's difficult to hold at the same time, both the, the, the sadness and the tragedy uh, of these events, and at the same time, the profound love, because that's, that's the key to understanding everything that happens here. Otherwise, it just, it, it's a tragic death. You know, an innocent man is condemned to death, and, and, and he dies. But to be honest, that, that has happened before and will happen again, where innocent people will suffer. That's, that's not a rarity. But what's, what's very, very different about this is that an innocent man who is not just man, an innocent man who is God and who knows this is coming and who could at any moment make it stop, does, goes through all of this, allows himself to be betrayed out of infinite love for you and I. That's what makes this, this story so unique. I mean, it's this, all of this has been prepared in, in all of the various preceding centuries to the various prophets and all the prefigurations and everything now is just coming together. The spotless lamb, you know, from Moses and the Passover, uh, the scapegoat. So all of the, our sins being loaded onto a scapegoat and he's cast out into the wilderness where he dies. All of these ideas now, uh, all these prefigurations are all completed, perfected in Jesus. You know, even Melchizedek uh, coming to, to, to Abraham and offering bread and wine. All of these things now in the Last Supper, it's, 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 it's quite amazing, it's quite astounding uh, to see how, how much can come together. All the various prophecies, one of our guys was reading during the week, can you remember how many there were? Various prophecies, something around 500 prophecies, and is it in the Old Testament, all of which were fulfilled in Jesus, you know, so if you go through all the various prophecies, the... the the, the Messiah will be this, he will come from, he will do this, that and the other, he will be like, uh, they're all fulfilled in Jesus. You know, it's, it's, it's simply incredible in, in such simplicity. I mean, he's growing up in, in Nazareth, even amongst his own people, Nazareth, wasn't, Nazareth, Galilee, weren't considered anything special at all. Uh, his mission is very, very short and ends in apparent tra tragedy. Uh, every, just, this shouldn't work this shouldn't work but it does it does like it's just, this is a divine plan this is not a human like, uh, from a human perspective this is crazy to end the story like this you know in betrayal and death after only three years you're like, you want to start a church that's going to you know, spread throughout the whole world you need more than three years you need, like, there are lots of miracles here but we need a good 20 or 30 years of them before there'll be a community established enough and courageous enough to go out to the whole world and proclaim the good news as they're supposed to three years is just too short and you're too young and you have to write something you have to write lots actually to make sure that what you say 
is accurately recorded and accurately passed on. You know, so it, this, this shouldn't work. But it does. Here we are. It did. <laughs> now, obviously, we have needed renewal along the way, and I think we're in a period of that now again where the church needs, needs renewal. We need to get back to the basics of who, who the Lord is, what he's calling us to do, how he's calling us to live. Don't worry, the Lord will take care of that. That will happen. Uh, but this is, just, this is a divine plan, and it's, it's amazing. It's like, obviously, we, can, we have the, the benefit of, of, of hindsight. We can just look how all this unfolded 2,000 years ago and yeah that was, that was tough but sure look it all came good in the end but for for them in this moment uh, I'm not sure if they had no they probably had no idea of how momentous these moments were how important they were and the eon long consequences of their actions they, I don't think they had any idea how, how huge this was But the main theme of today, Spy Wednesday, is, is the theme of, of betrayal. And there is something about betrayal that really cuts to the heart of people. When we have been betrayed by parents, or betrayed by friends, or betrayed by uh, our husband or wife, there's just something about it that's so, so gut-wrenching. Something that's so, something so sad about it. I imagine that is because when you're, if 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 someone you don't even, someone you hardly know, right? And this can happen as well. Well, especially today, where you're out on the street and you salute someone and they go and look away, as they'd say in modern uh, millennial terminology, they'd say, oh, "Rude." Uh, but um, but like, okay. But you'll get on with your day. It's fine, you know? Uh, but if someone in your own family rejects you, that's, that's hard. If the person that you have chosen to spend your life with betrays you, that's horrific. That's awful, awful. So betrayal is, is, betrayal is so bad because you've let the person in. You've let the person into your heart. And from there, uh, the, the idea of letting a person into your, in, into your heart is that you can love them, you can give yourself to them, they can give themselves to you, even, even if it's friendship. You still let the person in. You love them, they love you. They know things about you. They know about your thoughts and desires and hopes and so on. Like they, they've had access to an intimate part of you. Now, if then they see that reality of who you are, that intimate part of you, that, that the, 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 what you are inside, not just how you look, but how you are in here, if they see that and know that and choose to betray you, that's just a knife to the heart. Whereas if they never knew you, <clears throat> if you know, some randomer tweets some rubbish about you, just, you know, sees your profile and goes, oh, look at the head in her, she's probably a whatever. You, know, you go, oh, again, rude, but uh, you move on with your life. Whereas if your mother t tweeted that, you know, or your, you know, your husband, your wife, that's very, very different because they've seen the real you. So this is why betrayal, even in, in, in soaps and movies and all sorts of stuff, betrayal is always a, a very poignant and powerful plot because 
everyone can identify with it. You know, if you're watching any of these rubbish soaps, if you are, please stop. Um, but if you do, I'm, I haven't seen any in years, so I don't know what's happening. Is EastEnders still on? I don't know. Is it? I, think it, I think it is. Okay. So I presume, I mean, you'll know, uh, in the last couple of years, there's been some sort of a betrayal some, somewhere. You know, two main characters end up holding hands. Uh, you know, so who are already married to other people, incidentally. Okay, so like it, you know, it's, it, 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 it's, it's, it's a, a, an idea, a plot that anybody can understand, right? I love this person. They know me, they've seen my heart, and they've rejected it. They've chosen someone else. It's something that everyone can, can relate to. <clears throat> and so we have Judas, who knows the Lord. Or does he? We presume he knows the Lord. It's been, he's been with him for three years, he's seen the miracles, he's heard Jesus teach and preach. Maybe he doesn't know him. Maybe he's been with him for three years and actually is blind to how, how good the Lord is and what the Lord is, who the Lord is. Maybe he's choosing to be blind. It's kind of hard to tell. Either way. He definitely has a, a much better knowledge of, of Jesus than, than most people, having spent so much time with him, having lived with him for three years. And he sells him out. So he chooses something over Jesus. And when we think about it, like, you know, again, hindsight is twenty twenty. We look back and he goes to the chief priest and says, what will you give me if I hand them over to you? And they say, 30 silver pieces. He says, sounds good. It's just like, great, that'll, that'll do. 30 silver pieces. What would you do with it? Okay, you buy a bit of a field, you buy a bit of a house, you buy a new couple of donkeys. Uh, and and then what? Do you mean like your friend is going to end up in prison or dead or beaten or scourged? He, maybe maybe he like he did, he did not necessarily know it was going to end up on the cross, but he knew that their intent wasn't good. And you have a couple of extra donkeys. But like just to, to actually sell out Jesus so easily, it's uh, it's sad. Fast forward, though, to us. Fast forward to you and I. When we know what the Lord wants, when we know what the Lord is calling us to, when we know the Lord, when we have received him, when we have been the beneficiaries of his mercy over and over and over again, when we have received Holy Communion over and over and over again, and yet we choose other things. We choose to ignore his commands, his ordinances, his will. And we choose something else. We choose very often ourselves. Pleasures, career, fulfillment in, in, in some earthly way, contrary to what God wants. Nothing wrong with fulfillment, you know, uh, attaining success in, in some sporting area or, you know, in your business isn't sinful. But if I put that above God, then it is. Then I've made an idol of it. And so in doing this, this is, this is what we do. We actually betray Jesus. I know that might sound a bit harsh, but you know, we, we should know Jesus' heart. To a greater or lesser degree, we, we, we should. At this, I mean, as, as Catholics especially, we see we have the fullness 
of God's self-revelation. We should know him. I think, to be honest, part of the reason there's so much sin out there is actually we don't know him, or we don't know him as we should. I think especially for most Catholic adults over the age of 12, uh, we don't know him as an, as an adult. We know him, we, we've coloured in pictures of him and we've drawn little pudgy cartoon pictures of him with the apostles skipping through the countryside. Um, but we, we don't know him as, as a man, as a preacher, as a teacher, as our saviour who dies on a cross. I don't think we know him in, in that way at all. And because of that, it makes it very easy for us to, to betray him actually, you know, to say, well, God wants this, I don't care. You know, we're fairly confident that God isn't pro-choice, but we don't care. We're going to vote that way anyway. We're fairly clear on, on what the Lord's teachings are on, on marriage, but we don't care. We'll just do this anyway. So these, these are forms of betrayal. So, as I say, it's easy to look back on, on these kind of events and say, well, Judas was way out of line, but I think it is, it's important, without beating ourselves up, but it's important to see that sin is a betrayal. My sin is a betrayal. The Lord has revealed his heart to me. It's like the whole devotion of the Lord's sacred heart. You know, he, he's got his, his, his vestment, his clothes pulled open there to reveal his heart, reveal his heart, show you his heart. So you can see his interior life, his humanity and divinity, his glory to some degree, and say, no, not interested. Now, what exactly do you want him to do? What exactly do you want God to do? What do you want him to do to, to win your heart, win your love, win your affection, win your trust? What do you want? What, what more can he do? What more could he have done? You'd say, well, it might be nice if I had a personal apparition. That would be pretty good. The problem, though, with that kind of thing, if you had a personal apparition or a personal mystical experience, if you had something like that and then rejected God anyway, so if you have like some sort of a... And, and don't think for a minute that just because you have an apparition or a vision, it'll suddenly make you a saint. It doesn't. It doesn't, because you still have to choose to change your life, your behavior, your hob hobbies, and your habits. You still have to change. You still have to decide. If you had a supernatural encounter or not, good. It's still actually up to you to change. So if we were to think, yeah, if I had a, an apparition of an angel or her lady appeared to me, I'd be a saint too. Would you, though? Because if you had some sort of a supernatural experience and then chose to reject God anyway, you cannot plead ignorance. Or at least <laughs> at the moment we can say, well, I didn't know, I'm sorry. And maybe the Lord will be somewhat more understanding or lenient. But if, if you had a supernatural experience and go, oh, there's an angel, wow. You're taking photos and you're like, that's cool. And Yeah, I'm going to change. I'm going to be, yeah, definitely going to go back to Mass. And awesome, I'm going to start praying. Then after two weeks, like, oh, this prayer thing is hard and mass is boring. And then you stop. <laughs> now you've, you cannot plead ignorance. The Lord calls us in love and with great patience to follow him. And in order to win our hearts, he reveals his to us.
And so we ask you, Lord, as we enter into this Easter Triduum, to help us to recognize in every one of your actions the fulfillment of so many prophecies the, and the revelation of your profound divine love for each one of us. Amen.